time to hand out some awards. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Zach Gershman joins me. It is award season, and while we didn't want to be left out, it's our turn to single out some Cardinals players. Also, we'll look ahead to Championship Sunday. Who do we see headed to Super Bowl 58? First, though, Jonathan Gannon's second job. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 722, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So there is a saying, the more you can do. And I think Zach, our head coach, Jonathan Gannon, showed that this week. The more you can do, try to be as indispensable as possible. Not that JG is going anywhere, he doesn't have enough work to do on his own. But there he was, picking up the phone and calling season ticket holders to get them to come back for the 2024 season. That was a sight to see. And he was making deals. That's true. He was he was making deals. He got people committed to the next couple next couple of seasons, which is absolutely awesome. And it's kind of those duties as assigned, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you gotta do whatever you can as a head coach. We talk about the culture component. I think after seeing our social team post it and to see some of the comments that were left on the post, the fan base is starting to really see that it's not just JG talking about it, but he's also showing it to have a head coach walk into your facility grab the phones and be willing to call people and say, hey, I need people. Give me people to speak to. Uh, it was exciting, and I could tell he was enjoying it as well, being able to communicate with the fan base one-on-one. If you haven't see it, seen it, I strongly encourage you to check it out on the Arizona Cardinals social media channels, Instagram, Twitter. Huge shout-out to Emma Kramer, director of social media, for capturing the video and then putting it together, even on TikTok. So very well done. And it wasn't something that was – I don't even know if anyone asked JG to do it. I just think he saw it, saw a bunch of team members on the phone and calling and asking, and he said, hey, just hand me a headset. And he was on there and calling people and – I'm guessing at first people didn't really believe that the oh, they head didn't. coach was was the other one on the other side of that phone call. But hey, sometimes you have no idea who might be on the other end of that line. Yeah, I, I think yeah. Shout out Emma. She she kind of just jumped right in because this was very unprompted, just out of nowhere. You start seeing JG walk around by the ticket by the ticket tables over there, and he just you hear his voice. He's very loud. We all know that. <laughs> And you could tell the energy, you could feel it throughout the entire building. And then once you're like, okay, he's actually grabbing a headset now. Oh, this isn't just talk. This is actually, he's going to do this right now. That was definitely pretty cool to see. And regardless if he was asked or wasn't asked to do it, I think he would have just been willing to do it regardless, as as he did. And just judging from the video that's out there, he looked very comfortable. Seem to be enjoying it. It's a salesman in <laughs> him. True. Why do you want to come to the Arizona Cardinals? He obviously, they, they know how to get talent, bring it into the facility, develop talent. They're also trying to develop that chemistry with the fan base. You want to meet them where they're at. So if that means for right now, because we don't have any games at State Farm Stadium, hey, let's get you excited for next year. Start counting down the days. 
you know, you start to you start to make your steps towards that. And Bird Gang, if you want to be a part of the 2024 season, azcardinals.com forward slash priority list, azcardinals.com forward slash priority list. And who knows, this time next year, maybe the head coach is giving you a call. Maybe sometime this year even. That's JG true. might walk back into that <laughs> facility and just be like, hey, I enjoyed it so much. Let's do it again. All right, as we talk football here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, this is awards season. You can't pick up a basically any social media post or television, and you've got the Oscars, the Grammys, the Tonys. Well, here we present the first annual Gershman's. Actually, no, we don't. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. But it is our annual year-end awards that us here on the content and creative side within the Arizona Cardinals do each and every year. You just got pegged to kind of put it all together, Zach. I got honored. Oh, you were honored all together. I look. I I, it was. It's honestly. It was. It was so neat. It's one of the best kept secrets I kind of had. I had everybody sending in their submissions towards me. I'm thinking to myself, like some, and we're going to definitely talk about them. We're going to call some people out on some of their decisions. We're also going to, you know, compliment some people and be like, that is a great, you know, list, Zach. You did a great job putting that one together. <laughs> and I'm going to say thank you. I know my choices were fantastic. But I, I, I think it was just, it was so funny being able to see some of the responses come in and people gave their reasoning. And on azcardinals.com, people could see some of their reasoning behind the, the choices that they didn't make, the voter takes, as we called it. And it, to see some of them coming together, it was pretty cool. Our academy, if you will, comprised of 30 different voters in all walks of content and creative, front of the camera, behind the microphone, content, social media, producers. So just a great overall view from the Arizona Cardinals from different perspectives. And Danny and I talked about this a week ago here on Cardinals Cover 2. We kind of gave who we thought were deserving of the honors in these six categories. Most valuable Cardinal, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, Beyond the Box Score Player of the Year, someone to highlight that maybe statistically you don't really notice but is deserving to be highlighted, and then Play of the Year. Now, Full disclosure, Bird Gang, this has been posted on azcardinals.com. I, though, have not, by design, read the article that Zach wrote because I wanted to be surprised and then get my genuine reaction to go, okay, they did what? That person went what? That player didn't win? So let's kind of go in reverse. Yes. And let's go with play of the year. Something that I think is safer and maybe less controversial than some of these other selections. Yeah, so out of the 30 members, we had 30 different people vote on on these options and and they they came up with some of the options. So there's some that are just one of one. They're they're kind of the one there. James Conner's one-handed touchdown reception versus the Philadelphia Eagles won the play of the year. Uh that received 11 votes. And 11 out of 30. 11 okay. out of 30. The next was and I'm not sure if this is recency bias. But it was the fake field goal versus the Seattle Seahawks. Trey McBride getting Matt Prater, Blake Gillikin winding up as wide receivers, and then Kyler Murray uh, playing that, you know, kind of playing possum on the sidelines, not going off the field, throwing it out there. Then K1's third down scramble got a handful of votes as well. That was five. Trey McBride's tush push, 17-yard touchdown. They got stuffed at the four, and then the offensive line kind of pushed them all the way in. That was one. There was a handful of different ones out there, but those are kind of the ones that received multiple votes. Well, 
the people that did vote for the Connor one-handed catch actually got it right because that's what I voted. That for. is what you voted. So for. you know, it's, that's and your reasoning, your explanation for it is one of the ones that we wrote down. Oh, wow. Well, for those that might have missed it because I gave this reasoning a week ago, and you can catch it on azcardinals.com, but this is what I wrote. I appreciate that, Zach. Of that, course. I, again, I have not seen this yet. Mm-hmm. I'm very pleasantly surprised. Yeah. This is what I wrote about that play. For starters, let's acknowledge the athleticism of Kyler Murray. He escaped the grasp of Josh Sweat, turned his back to the defense, threw off his back foot, and placed the football where only Connor could reach. And Connor did, extending out his right hand to make the catch, bringing the football tight to his chest, all with the defender draped over him. Incredible. Incredible. You know who else submission I put for that one? Yourself? Our favorite, Chad Burns. Oh, yes. Nice. And and Chad, I think, basically wrote what you did in very much Chad ways. He wrote, (laughs) Kyler did Kyler things and Connor did Connor things. This play summed up the fight that our team has displayed all year. And I think that when you have, you know, the type of game that they did, Kyler Murray showcasing that Murray magic we've seen time in and time again, and then James Conner kind of topping what Kyler Murray just did by hauling it in with just that one hand was quite remarkable, especially for a running back. By the way, Chad Burns, the creative illustrator for the Arizona Cardinals, his work is phenomenal. It's received a lot of attention and recognition. A lot of the players have actually asked to meet Chad, mm-hmm. because of the stuff that he has done that they like so much that has been posted either on the website or through different social media channels. So a huge addition to the Arizona Cardinals content and creative team, Chad Burns. And again, like-minded. So he's all right in my book. Yeah, look, and we, we've seen Chad kind of nail out some of these some of these illustrations that he's put together. It, it truly is remarkable. And to watch his thought process, because you could visibly see how visually see how he's handling this, how he, he kind of moves around in different ways. I've seen him try to get so many different angles. It's all on the screen, but he's also done actual paintings, and it, it's truly remarkable, the stuff that he does. All right, so good start here. Now let's go beyond the box score player of the year. And before you give the winner, how about some of the nominees for this beyond the box score player of the year? And again, it's a player that, again, stats don't measure the value of a player on the football field. So that's why you're looking at someone like an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, someone who plays a lot of snaps, just doesn't have the stats to back it up because most people, when you watch the game, you see everything, but if you miss a game, what do you do? Well, you look for the stats, and that kind of tells the story, at least in your mind. But sometimes there are players that do things on a week-in, week-out basis that just doesn't show up on a piece of paper. Yeah, so to go through some of the nominees, I'll leave the the top two vote-getters because this one was a very close one. Oh, Ten wow, votes okay. to eight votes, so very close. But Dennis Gardeck, Greg Dorch, Buda Baker, I, I recognize that Buda Baker might be the Cardinals pro bowler, but the stats did not match up to the way that Buda Baker would have hoped for, and as we have seen in previous years. So I understand the, the reasoning for that one. He did only get one vote. But it's players like Aaron Brewer, Jalen Thompson, uh, Matt Prater, Will Hernandez, Jonathan Ledbetter. Trey McBride got one for his pass blocking, which I found very and, – and run blocking as well. Let me guess. I'm I, Without even knowing, I'm just going to take a wild guess that the person who singled out Trey McBride for beyond the box score player of the year based off his blocking is Cardinals color analyst Ron Wolfley. No. No. Mike Chavez. Wow, okay. Yeah, Mike Chavez. I'll tell you, Wolf, Wolf put Yelda Froholt for that one. So okay. that one also should not be too much of a surprise. And Yelda Froholt is the winner. And, of course, the, the Academy Beyond. gets it right. Yeah, the Academy gets it right. It was between him and Paris Johnson Jr. 
10 okay. votes to 8 votes. So that one was incredibly close. Uh, but, but congrats to Yelda because that center position is a very thankless position. And for him to come in in the way that he did, to have three different quarterbacks at that, and to build that chemistry with them, no center is going to get the stats. But from the beginning of the preseason, when, when, he went, when he went against the Denver Broncos and he was pancake blocking some of those defenders, Zach Allen, and, and truly having his ways... I think then you could start to see, okay, the Cardinals for a position that had a question mark going into the season, they have their answer and yelled for a hole. When I was going through this and I wanted to make sure the offensive line was credited and highlighted, and instead of just putting the entire offensive line, because I've tried to do that in the past and it's frowned upon, they want a single player. So I went with Froholt as the center the anchor of the offensive line, someone who touches the football every single snap. And when you look at what was probably the the biggest questions going into the season, outside of Kyler Murray, but as far as a position group, there were some, at least on offense, you weren't sure about the center position. Froholt had only four starts in his career coming into this season. You weren't sure what was going to happen at left guard. You had a brand-new rookie playing right tackle, so you weren't quite sure You knew about DJ Humphreys. He's got a resume. Will Hernandez, he stays healthy. He's absolutely great on the right side, lining up next to the center. But that offensive line, I thought, played exceptionally well considering the questions going into the season. And then you see what they did from a run game standpoint because as much as we talk about the running backs and Kyler Murray and how well they were able to do moving the football, uh, it doesn't begin until you have those guys up front opening up rushing lanes. And that's why Jim Omohundro decided to write for Yelda Froholt. Going off the running game, he said his value was also seen in the run game where the Cardinals rushed for 150 or more yards in six different games, including four games of going over 200 yards. And to have a running back like James Conner, who went for 1,000 yards this season, the first time in his career, the offensive line takes a lot of pride in that as well. But I, it keeps going back when I think about Yelda Froholt. I think about DJ Humphrey standing in front of his locker in the beginning half of the season saying, when there was miscommunication, Fro is the one that held it down for all of us on that line. So he was the anchor there. All right, so we're good. We're, we're, we're two rolling. For two we're right we're two for two, so the Academy has got it right so far. Okay, newcomer of the year. And newcomer can be either, well, obviously it's someone brand new to the team, whether that is through free agency or a first-year player, i.e. a rookie. So the nominees or who got the most votes, or I should say the players in yes. this category that were singled out, so the players that were singled out were Kaiser White, Yelda Froholt did get some love here as well. I put Dante Stills down as a choice. It was me and one other that did. I felt Dante deserved a handful more votes, but Michael Carter got some love. Michael Wilson got some love. Keetrell Clark got some love. But the person that got the most love with 15 votes was the rookie right tackle, Paris Johnson Jr., 15. I'm surprised, before we get into that, I'm surprised, Zach, based off your Philadelphia roots and connections and the fact that Kaiser, when he was in the locker room, always made sure to give you a fist bump, that you didn't go with the veteran, you went with the youngster, who actually, again, going back to your Philadelphia roots and the fact that you went to Penn State, you selected an Ohio State Buckeye as your newcomer of the year. We all wear the same bird okay. right now. Right. But I, I, Kaiser was incredible, and I think if Kaiser played throughout the entire season, obviously was dealt with that with that blow to the bicep uh, that, that took him out for the remainder half of the season, 
if he would have stayed, I think Kaiser would have won. I'll spoil this right now. He did not win Defensive Player of the Year. He got some votes, and I understand why he did. But to have that newcomer, I think Kaiser brought something to the table that not many others did because of his leadership being that green dot, kind of being the vocal leader of the defense, especially when Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson were sidelined. But you cannot deny what Paris Johnson Jr. brought to the table, similar to how we were talking about about Yelda Froholt, I think Paul Calvisi, he wrote down here in the most Paul Calvisi way possible, start every game, play every game, all while lining up against Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Will Anderson, Montez Sweat, Trey Hendrickson, all while avoiding the rookie wall, hashtag ding. And that's why he got the vote. Hard to argue against Calvisi as much as I would love to because I do think if you're going to look at Two players, again, I went with Kaiser White because I went with that veteran and someone who came in knowing the defense and became an extension of both the head coach and the defensive coordinator. But hard to argue considering that Paris Johnson Jr. not only played every single game, he started every single game, played every single snap on offense, even played some special teams as far as field goal, PAT Mm -hmm. coverage, and hard to argue that he didn't have one of the bigger impacts from a first-year player. To have the rookie class in the way that they did, it all starts with that first-round pick. If your first-round pick is not producing, yeah, rounds two and, and to, rounds two to seven, and even your undrafted guys are going to get talked about and, and hyped up for producing the ways that they did. But if your first-round pick is not producing, the, the, the talk about Monty Austin Fort being the draft wizard that he is would not be as significant or as loud if Paris Johnson Jr. did not play the way that he did. But to be on the field for over 1,000 snaps, to not miss a single one all season long, I'm not surprised to see Paris get the newcomer of the year. The Cardinals draft class accounted for 52 of the 64 starts by first-year players this season. 11 different first-year players, rookies, started a game for the Arizona Cardinals. That was an NFL high. And again, we talk about that draft class a year ago. The Trey McBride draft class only had 22 starts, and McBride accounted for 13 of those 22. Here this year, it's Paris Johnson Jr. accounting for 17 of the 52. So much better contributions from the rookies this season than a year ago. How much of that is because of roles changing, injuries, so the rookies were forced to play maybe sooner than anticipated. But still, you play, okay, do you get that second opportunity? Do you get that second week's worth of games, snaps, or is it, okay, we see what you can do, you're just not quite ready. And I think I think a, an example is somebody like Starling Thomas, somebody that they brought in went, right when the waiver wire happened. They, they claimed him from the Detroit Lions, and he didn't play much in the beginning half of the season. He was, he was a healthy scratch in most cases, and then he started being more on special teams, and he jumped into that cornerback slot, and he solidified himself as a starting cornerback. Now, is Starling Thomas going to be a starting quarterback on the other 31 teams? Probably not. He might go in for a handful of snaps here and there, but because of the, the the situation that you had there on the outside with your cornerbacks, Starling Thomas stepped in, and he did step up in a lot of cases. He limited DK Metcalf in that final game. DK Metcalf gave him a shout-out going into that week, recognizing the type of talent that the UAB product has. So the rookie class, you don't necessarily want as many rookies to play in the ways that the Cardinals had this year, but if they perform in the ways that they did, you're not going to be complaining. And then it does put you in a better position going into this offseason and years to come because now all of a sudden you've got that young talent 
and you figure out, okay, we don't maybe need to focus on this particular position group because we got a bunch of young talent, and you build upon those areas that you can see are maybe not as strong because you don't have those young pieces in place. So, again, I'm not going to argue with Paris Johnson Jr. and Michael Wilson and everyone else in that draft class because they were phenomenal mm-hmm. with especially on certain circumstances in which they faced this season. I picked Dante because I, I just felt that with the, the situation that they had on the defensive line, Dante also was a healthy scratch for that week one game in Washington against the Commanders, and then he had to jump in once LJ Collier and Carlos Watkins went down, and then with Kevin Strong and Jonathan Ledbetter both going down for multiple games throughout the season, Ledbetter ultimately ending up on IR, as did you know Dante Stills towards that last game of the season, but The way Dante stepped in, we kind of saw him flourish, and I remember speaking to him during the preseason. He was just trying to fight for a roster spot as a six-round pick, and for him to come in and put the numbers that he did, and truly, you could see his growth from week to week. That's why I put him as my vote for the newcomer. All right, so we are halfway through here with our 2024 Arizona Cardinals year-end awards. We still have Most Valuable Cardinal Offensive Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year. Let's go defensive player of the year. You already kind of let the cat out of the bag. It's not going to be Kaiser White. But to me, if it's not Kaiser White, whom I did not vote for, sorry, Kaiser, Mm -hmm. there's only one other player, at least in my mind, that it could be, that it should be, and that is Jalen Thompson. And that it is Jalen Thompson. All right, the Academy gets it right. I am on a roll. Yes, you are. He got 14 votes. Buda Baker got 10. Dennis Gardek got a a singular vote. And I recognize why Dennis Gardek could have gotten that vote because of the type of captain leadership that he does bring to that defense. He did make a standout play the first game of the season, forcing that strip sack. Cameron Thomas ultimately scooping it up and diving into the end zone for the Cardinals' first touchdown of the season. But Jalen Thompson, I mean, he was incredible all season long. The stats definitely do back it up. 78 tackles, 5 tackles for losses, 4 interceptions, especially the one against the Houston Texans uh, intercepting C.J. Stroud in the end zone. I felt like kind of put, even though the Houston Texans did come away with the win, it made C.J. Stroud a little bit more hesitant. And the rookie quarterback, although he did take the Texans quite far this season, that was the one game where you could say the stats did not match up to a C.J. Stroud-like performance in this one. So I I recognize why Jalen Thompson got it. I mean, looking through some of the through some of it. I know Cody Fincher also picked. That's why Jaylen we Thompson. have the associate producer. He knows what he's talking yes, about. Yes, we do. And I, I mean, just looking at some of them, Luis Hernandez calls him Jalen the Sheriff Thompson. And okay. I think because of you could, I, he didn't really explain why, but he did go and said, JT's a beast. You can't dispute that one. Going through some of the other responses here, Darren Urban wrote another close one between actually being Kaiser because Kaiser was kind of the leader in the clubhouse until he did get hurt. Kent Summers wrote between also between Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, ultimately giving JT the nod. So there were a handful of different responses. Kyle Vandenbosch wrote here, he continues to be a difference maker for the defense. He is a smart and savvy defender that makes up for the lack of talent at other positions on the defense, as we spoke about with that rookie class. JT not afraid of contact. He is not afraid to play near the line of scrimmage and you can play Jalen Thompson in a half different positions along that defense whether that's in the secondary close to the line of scrimmage or even potentially you bring him in as a blitzer so that is a piece that this Arizona Cardinals defense knows that it has and moving forward 
hopefully will have for a long period of time. Yeah, JT, you, you could sense the difference when he is out there. Buda Baker definitely draws a lot of attention from opposing offenses, which is why Buda Baker, although the stats might not necessarily back it up in terms of the big-time splash plays that we're so accustomed to seeing, it opened up the door for JT to have the type of success that he did have out there. And I think adding a Garrett Williams to, to the nickel and having him jump in there as well also gave JT the opportunity to make some plays. All right, so two categories left. And full disclosure, once again, when I go through these, one, I do not like to name a player in multiple categories. I like to spread the love, if you will. I don't have a problem when people do it, i.e. Darren Urban, our <laughs> team photographer, Caitlin Epps, our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, just to name a few, who did put both the MVP and Offensive Player of the Year as the same player, but I like to single out different people. And as far as, I wouldn't say controversial, but I do think if you didn't have this player as your MVP, then he's your Offensive Player of the Year. That's all I'm going to say about it. So let's go with Offensive Player of the Year and the nominees for the Offensive Player of the Year. This was the closest. One vote separated the winner. So to the, I'll give the others receiving votes. Kyler Murray got three votes. Wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out, time out, time out. Kyler Murray got three votes? Just three? Your franchise quarterback only got three? For Offensive Player of the Year, okay. he got three votes. Yelda Froho got a vote. And... Matt Prater got a vote. Okay, timeout. Matt Prater, yes, you're scoring points. Special teams, I wouldn't see my my Patrick issue, Smith went with Matt Prater. My my issue when you put special teams players in an offensive or defensive category, they have their own category. It's special teams, but, but we, we don't give them that love beyond the box score. Yes, which is why Matt Prater did get some love in beyond the box score. But I, I don't see, I don't necessarily want to say I see a, a problem with it, but he did put up a lot of points this season. Yes, but kickers, especially tend when to the do offense that. struggled in a lot of cases, Matt Prater was the offense in some games. So yeah. I don't, I'm not going to fault him for that. I mean, he's, he's wrong, but I'm not going <laughs> to fault him for that. Prater did have, as I look it up, a hundred and let's see, no, he had 54 points this season off of PATs and field goals. Yeah. Which which you need to well, yeah, which you need to have also for the offense to score for some of those PATs, obviously. That's the way football works. Yes. Come All on, right, Craig, you so, should know that. Offensive player of the year. So, the winner for this one with 13 votes as opposed to the second place's 12 votes, Trey McBride won offensive player of the year. James Conner was second. Okay. Now, before everyone gets up in arms, my guess is many believe or follow the same criteria that I imposed upon myself that if you believe James Conner was your best offensive player, but you want to highlight what Trey McRide was able to do in this breakout second season, you had James Conner as your MVP and Trey McBride as your offensive player of the year. Potentially. That's just my thinking for most of those people. For the 13 people that had Trey McBride as Offensive Player of the Year, my guess is most of those people had James Conner as your MVP. Yes. In some cases. In other cases, they might have had a different MVP. Okay. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but looking <laughs> at some of the reasonings as to why I did pick Trey McBride 
as my offensive player of the year. Reason for it, and I, uh, my response here, what I wrote down is, even though Kyler Murray said that some of his celebrations were awkward considering the type of numbers Trey McBride put up this season, he could geek out as much as he wants to because Trey said, I just kind of geek out when I'm in the moment. And then whether it being the type of spark, we know about the type of spark that James Conner brings to the offense, what Kyler Murray's return bring, brought to the offense, but Trey McBride's kind of emergence into the position that he has right now, truthfully, I think has made it one of the more ex- exciting storylines of the year. Uh, Rob Fredrickson wrote, went from backup to being a top five tight end in the NFL, and we barely even scratched the surface on the potential of Trey McBride. I think that kind of says all you need to know. And Danny also put Trey McBride as, as her option. So handful of different people putting in a handful of different ways, but that was the closest one when I was refreshing and adding the names to the list. That was the one I had my eye out for. I kind of hoped for a tie. But then again, no, I we don't like, want any ties. But then it wouldn't have we, been we fun. Need, we need a definitive winner. No, we need a definitive winner. And of course, again, if you went with Trey McBride, props to you. If you went with James Conner, props to you. I think those were your two players as far as offensive player of the year. All right, so we are down to MVP. And I know I was in the minority. And I said as much a week ago when I made my selection as Cardinals' most valuable player. I went with Kyler Murray. But I know that is not a popular choice amongst the academy because Kyler gets penalized for only playing half the season. You don't think that was a popular choice? I don't believe that was a popular choice. Well, I could tell you that it was more popular than Buda Baker and Jonathan Gannon, who each received a vote. The head coach got a vote? The head coach got a vote from Zach Fletcher. Most valuable Cardinal. Okay, doesn't specify player. No, but I I don't I don't see a okay. once I saw that one put in I'm like hey if people had more of a of a thought process like Zach did I'm pretty sure Jonathan Gannon would have received a handful more votes Zach Fletcher our senior manager of content and creative going with the head coach okay and and I don't I don't necessarily hate it but you might hate this result because Kyler Murray finished in second with ten votes your winner with eighteen votes for the most valuable Cardinal James Conner. Not a surprise. Not a surprise at all. Not a surprise at all. And I, I think I, I think Wolf, in the most Wolf way possible, and I wanted to save Wolf's response for this one specifically. Some of his responses were just incredible in general for, for a lot of the players. But he wrote here, football is a game that speaks to the threefold nature of man. Body, soul, and spirit. All three have to be in line for a player to play well. James Conner had all three in line, and his body, soul, and spirit inspired players around him. Not only did he produce in between the white lines, but his play challenged those around him to be better in all three phases. Yeah, that is the perfect Ron Wolfley explanation on why he went with James Conner as the most valuable Cardinal in 2023. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I, I think the fact that James Conner did miss the four games that he did miss, and he still picked up the 1,000 yards, which in and of itself is incredible, but it shows what he truly does bring to the table. So even though Kyler Murray, I think if Kyler Murray played all 17 games, okay, we're ha- we might be having a very, very different discussion, but we only got an eight-game sample size from K1. To miss these four games and James Conner still come back into the offense in the way that he did was was quite incredible. Hard to argue against James Conner, and I've said this before. It's not just what he means on the field. It's off the field. It's in the locker room. It's how he moves up and down the sidelines, encouraging not just his offensive teammates, but the defense, the uh, special teams as well. 
really your emotional leader, if you will, spiritual leader in that locker room. And there is no better Arizona Cardinal to win most valuable Cardinal. Again, I went with Kyler Murray and had Connor as my offensive player of the year. But it's hard to argue against, hey, what happens if you take James Connor off the field? You don't have him. What do you have with the Arizona Cardinals? But what went into your decision? Because you said that you didn't want to pick between one or the other. I don't like putting the same player in multiple categories. So I had. I understand that. So I went with the quarterback as your most valuable player, most valuable Cardinal. And my explanation was very simple. As I said last week with Danny, three wins with him, one win without him. It's as simple as that. And then I highlighted James Conner as my offensive player of the year. I am surprised, though, that there was many people that did go with Kyler as the MVP just because he was only on the field for eight games. But to me, and you've heard me say this before, Zach, is this season began week 10. As, as much as that was brought up to JG and others, they didn't want to hear it. But this season, week 10 to week 18, because the biggest question that needed to be answered this season was, is Kyler Murray going to be your quarterback moving forward? And the answer is a definitive yes. So, yeah, you won three games versus five losses. Would have loved to have seen a 4-4 four and four finish. But Kyler Murray, I think... You saw just a glimpse of what he can do within this offense and with this team. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the people that did put K1 as their most valuable Cardinal. Dave Pash put K1 as his most valuable Well, Cardinal. Pash is just a genius. I mean, we go went from the uh, same alma mater in Syracuse mm-hmm. in upstate New York, so he's just a smart individual. Well, what about Jody Jackson? Because she also put K1 down. The Miami alma mater, will leave that as it is. But, uh, yeah, another smart individual. A veteran, you know, a veteran of the market. And the person sitting in that room over there to my right, Cody Fincher, also put down Kyler Murray. By the way, our associate producer just basically almost nailed it to a T because he and I agreed on most valuable Cardinal, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, and newcomer. Of the year, and really, those are the top four awards. The other two, there can be some nuance and some different takes. But basically, Cody has assured himself of a job in 2024. <laughs> I think I'm looking through some of this list, and although I put it together, it was kind of hurting my eyes to a certain extent. <laughs> so I stopped looking at it. But I, I mean, like looking through this right now, I don't think anybody put together a perfect, a perfect award. Oh, category. six of six. Yeah, I don't think they went six for six. The most I'm seeing right now is four of six. Possibly, yeah, four of six because that newcomer and beyond the box score between Froholt and Paris Johnson for both sides, I think kind of kind of altered it a little bit. So we've established that our associate producer Cody Fincher gets an A for his ballot, B plus because we B+? all can improve. Oh, wow, you're a tough grader. <laughs> okay, good stuff. All right. So again, all this has been posted as we speak here on this Wednesday on Cardinals Covered 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. It is up on azcardinals.com. All 30 of the Academy, the voting members, you can see how we all individually voted and then obviously the winners in each of the six categories. I'm, I'm looking through this still. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy to see some of these players that you probably went into the beginning of the season 
and might not have put down. I don't think Dante Stills would have been considered even a newcomer of the year. I don't think Trey McBride was going to be considered as your offensive player of the year. Jalen Thompson, if you said you're going to pick him and he's going to have more and better stats than Buda Baker, pretty sure a lot of us would have been like, hey, hold on a second. Yell to Froholt, considering that center position, and to, to assume that your top play was going to be your running back with a one-handed reception for a touchdown in the most hostile of environments you faced this season in Philadelphia – I think kind of kind of shows that this was an unpredictable year, but an incredible one at that. It's a good point because you go into the season with expectations and the season happens and then you look back and you're like, okay, well, I was completely off base on that or this player surprised or this player took a leap forward, i.e. Trey McBride. And when you're given that opportunity, what do you do with it? And McBride shined with his opportunity. Dante Stills shined with his opportunity. And obviously, Yelda Froholt has made a case to be the center not only this upcoming season, but maybe seasons beyond his 2024 contract. He de- definitely has. And I, I stand corrected. Oh, okay. Somebody went five for six. Five for six. It was six. Rob Fredrickson. Rob Fredrickson. Okay. The one he went different with, beyond the box score, he put Greg Dorch. Okay. I. I but besides that, everything else, James Conner is your MVC, Trey McBride offensive, Jalen Thompson defensive, Paris Johnson newcomer, Greg Dortch beyond the box score, and then James Conner one-handed reception for the touchdown. Okay. I'm not going to argue with Rob Fredrickson. He's just bigger and better than I am. But, uh, yeah, that's spoken like a true veteran, nine-year veteran of the National Football League. Sounds exactly like why he played in the league. And yeah. We, we, just, we, we, we just, just steer to talk we, about we it. We just talk about it and make predictions. By the but way, he also knows the conversations that go on in the locker room. He's taking it from a player's perspective and then also from a, a little bit of a wider scope. By the way, speaking of predictions, before we exit stage left here on this first annual Gershman's, it's really not what we're calling it, but I just find it fascinating just to get the, the reaction from you. But uh, It's a smile. Yeah, it's a smile. All right. Championship Sunday. AFC Championship game. Chiefs at the Ravens, that's the first game. NFC Championship game, Lions at the 49ers. Who you got? Ooh, I, I, I kind of... Or, or should I say, who do you hope wins, who do you think wins? Okay, who do I hope wins <laughs> and who do I think wins are both the complete... I, mean, I think that... I hope that the Baltimore Ravens come away with the win. I think it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. I hope that the Detroit Lions win... But I think it's going to be the San Francisco 49ers. Reason for it, it just I think the Detroit obviously has a lot of momentum, you know, behind them. And to see the type of rise that they've had throughout the Dan Campbell regime has been quite remarkable to see. I do think though that depending especially on Debo Samuel's availability, I do think that they're going to run into a brick wall with that San Francisco 49ers team. I think this is the one time that they've really faced a serious challenge this year. Even though they beat the Green Bay Packers, the type of heat that Brock Purdy is currently getting right now amongst social media and throughout the NFL landscape, that's a team that's very prideful. They heard it after the Philadelphia, after they lost against the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC Championship game. They kind of took down the chin. They kind of put that as like a chip on their shoulder and used that as motivation throughout the season. So I think in this case, the 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 story, the Cinderella story of the Detroit Lions, I think comes to a halt again in in the Bay Area. And then with the Kansas City Chiefs, they're just they're now starting to hit their stride a little bit more. They're not the Kansas City Chiefs of last season, but they're playing really solid. It's just a matter of can you limit Lamar Jackson? And I think the one team that possibly would be able to do that would be the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Do you have Chiefs fatigue? Yeah, I do. I, I have Chiefs fatigue, and even being a, a Philadelphia native, 
I kind of have Kelsey fatigue as well. <laughs> but it's not going to stop me. Just because you're tired doesn't mean you're not going to keep doing it. But I do think that with the Kansas City Chiefs, they just they've received so much attention and, and rightfully so. They're 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 the reigning Super Bowl champions. They're the dynasty that they're starting to build out there is one of a kind. But but I do see that the fatigue is definitely serious. Although, can you imagine Harbaugh with the Ravens going against the 49ers, kind of going back to that game in New Orleans when the lights went out? And you know already that Jim Harbaugh is going to be in the stands there for his brother. He's going to be wearing a Ravens cap against the San Francisco 49ers, who he formerly coached for. And depending on perhaps when you listen to this Cardinals Cover 2 podcast, would he really be wearing a Ravens cap as if he's the Chargers head coach? I didn't think of it like that. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I don't know, but <laughs> I, I, I don't, <laughs> how do you how do you get away with that? I, I don't I don't know how you get away with it. You're you're Jim Harbaugh, and you seem to get away with everything. No, that, no that's true. That's <laughs> shots fired. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I would love to see kind of like you as far as like what you hope, what you think. I would love to see new blood in the Super Bowl, Ravens and Lions, but I do think the Chiefs will go on the road. Patrick Mahomes, six seasons as a starter, six trips to the conference championship Makes game. No sense. He'll win a 14th game in the postseason, and I do believe it will be Chiefs and 49ers in the Super Bowl. And the 49ers, they have more weapons, even though Debo Samuel is questionable at this point as far as that shoulder injury. And then, well, one, they've got Christian McCaffrey, which might be trumps everything as far as what he can do running the ball and catching the ball. And then that 49ers defense is very, very good, and that might be the deciding factor in a victory over the Lions. Yeah, I just think the star power that the San Francisco 49ers have, it it, it is going to trump everything that Detroit could bring to the table. Yeah, Jared Goff is playing really good football right now, and that defense did a really solid job against Tampa Bay. And, and just in general, just the way that they've played all throughout the entire season. But San Francisco is just a different beast. And if they are healthy, because right now Debo is the one player that they kind of have circled right now as questionable. Is he going to be able to play or not play? But even we, we've seen in games against the Cardinals, I, I know it's a little bit different when you compare the Cardinals to the Detroit Lions right now in terms of where they are in present day. But Debo Samuel was not as effective. He did have the two touchdowns, uh, but he was wide open in coverage in those cases. He didn't really make many big-time plays against the Arizona Cardinals both times that they played the San Francisco 49ers this year. If you don't have a Debo Samuel, it's not the end of the world because you still have a Christian McCaffrey. You still have George Kittle. Brandon Ayuk's been playing really solid ball. Jawan Jennings going up and making that grab the way that he did. And Brock Purdy not just being a check-down quarterback, but being a really good quarterback as well. We'll see if weather becomes a factor in either of these games. Right now, it doesn't look that way. Again, the AFC Championship game is up first, then the NFC Championship game with the winners to meet two weeks from Sunday in the Super Bowl, and we'll have more on that in the days and weeks to come here. But uh, props to you, Zach, for an excellent job gathering all of the votes, putting it together. It is not easy. It can be tireless because if you've got to search out people to get their results, who they win or who they nominate to win these awards. But uh, good job and uh, might have to do it again next year. Yeah, I was going to say uh, my challenge to everybody, and I'll keep receipts because I keep receipts. Hit me up on on uh, on Twitter, Zach AZ Cards. Leave in the comment section who you think 
this year's MVC should be, if you think it should be James Conner or not, and then give me a prediction for next year because I'm going to keep receipts. And next year, when we get back on cover two, we're going to talk a little bit about it. Sounds good. The year-end awards posted on azcardinals.com, and then uh, make sure you let Zach know about all his fine work on azcardinals.com. On that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our associate producer, Cody Fincher, our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Zach Gershman, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.